What up, Martha? <laughs> I'm actually going to be reading the book tonight, <clears throat> finishing up chapter two. And uh, what's up, Ray? How do you Hi. do? How you doing Mike today? Pretty cool. Um, went to the park, played some basketball today, and napped. Did a lot of napping all day. So now I'm just going to finish reading uh, chapter two of Whitney Webb's new book. Oh, have you? So, so, so you started it. Okay. Uh, how much do you have left? Uh, like I said, I'm on chapter two. So I got quite a bit left. I hear it's really long, like a thousand pages or something. Yeah, it's not that long. I mean, well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. It is long. Is it's it? a big book. Yeah. It's it's two books in one, really. The first book is much larger, much longer than the second one. How many pages is the first one? Oh, I'm not sure. But it says uh, I got about six hours left in this book. Uh, okay. Yeah. Are you, and, are you listening to not? I, I can't really hear you. Your your reception is not great. Let me see if I can. Okay. Maybe it's on my end, but try it one more time. What? what mind. Oh, I'll talk about that in another room sometime where actually this room is specifically just kind of going over chapter two. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. Well, I'll uh, let you finish the book. Okay. See ya. All right. Cool, man. Yeah. Feel free to listen along and I'll open a room to talk about whatever later on tonight afterwards. Um, what's up, Peter? We are getting into chat, the end of chapter two of Whitney Webb's new book. Since uh, I'm not allowed in the book club, I'm just going to continue <laughs> my idea that they're copying now. <laughs> hey, I'm glad that they finally found out about Whitney Webb, and I'm glad they're into it. So that's cool. I consider that a win. Um, so going to wrap up the very last chapter, and I'm thinking about reading it myself. Isn't like, no, it's it's pretty. It's not too long. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read it myself because um, that's always fun. So, without any further ado, business as usual. Other aspects of Hoover's symbiotic relationship with these organized crime-tinged networks. Let me just send the invite. There we go. Boom. Okay. Uh, other aspects of Hoover's... And by the way, in the last last uh, segment, we talked about Hoover's sexual... Rela- uh, J. Edgar Hoover's sexual relationship with all kinds of men, including Roy Cohn... Uh, Donald Trump's mentor. So J. Edgar Hoover as a uh, fellatiator has been officially outed in the last segment. So just keep that little piece in mind. So one of the other aspects of Hoover's symbiotic relationship with these organized crime tinged networks can also be seen in Hoover's ties to Rosenstiel and Rosenstiel's close associate Roy Cohn. In the above-board worlds of legitimate business and politics, most records place the beginning of Hoover's relationship with Rosenstiel as occurring in the 1950s, the same decade that Hoover was allegedly attending Rosenstiel's blackmail parties. 
Rosenstiel's FBI file obtained by Anthony Summers cites the first Rosenstiel meeting as taking place in 1956. After requesting that meeting, Rosenstiel was granted a personal face-to-face meeting with a director in a manner of hours, a rare feat. However, Summers notes that there is evidence that the two men had met much earlier as Hoover was on record showing an unusual concern in the FBI's handling of Rosenstiel's criminal links as early as 1939. The Blue Sweet Hardys and Blackmail may also explain the uncharacteristic ease with which a young Roy Cohn was able to meet with J. Edgar Hoover upon his arrival as a young man in Washington, D.C. in 1952, an event that was puzzled an event that has puzzled Cohn's biographers. Roy Cohn's account of how he was able to meet Hoover in person deemed improbable by Cohn biographer Nichols and Von Hoffman includes Hoover calling Cohn after the latter had unsuccessfully sought to go through the normal channels to communicate with the FBI director. Cohn, only in his mid-20s, had been seeking Hoover's aid in gathering support for a controversial uh, presentment, which alleged communist subversion among United Nations staff. Hoover is supposed to be talking to Cohn for the first time per official accounts is alleged to have said, Roy, are you trying to see me? To that, uh, Cohn claimed to have responded, you're darn right. I'm trying to see you. It's been rather difficult. Hoover then offered whether you want to see me, you just pick up the phone or whenever you want to see me, you just pick up the phone and ask for me and you'll be able to see me. Well, when can I see you? Conan asked with the director then saying, come on over. Per Cone, he was then seated in front of Hoover within 10 minutes. Uh, Von Hoffman, who notes elsewhere in his Cone biography that some of Cone's unlikely stories do turn out to be true notes that the story is improbable in part because the only tie he could find between Cohn and Hoover at the time was a connection to George uh, Sokolsky, the director of the American Jewish League Against Communism. Also unlikely per von Hoffman was Hoover's alleged urging to Roy Cohn, to Roy that when you want to see me, call me directly. Don't go through the channels. The Justice Department is monitoring your calls at your own office across the way. Von Hoffman states that this degree of frankness with the junior whom he had only recently met is at odds with Hoover's reputation as one of the most adept of mountain goats in negotiating the trials and passes of the federal bureaucracy. Von Hoffman asks, would merely sharing a political outlook on the dangers of communism be enough to see enough to seduce Hoover, who was never indiscreet in to such indiscretions as advising Roy? all else failing to threaten to quit and back it up by calling a press conference if there were no other way to take the presentment loose. I don't even know what that means. Von Hoffman concludes that Cohn's story was inaccurate, though he notes that Roy's account of whatever Hoover told him was a story that someone with a dangerous secret to hide might tell. However, in the context of the Blue Suite parties at the Plaza Hotel, it's certainly possible that both Cohn's account of his first official meeting with Hoover and his harboring of a dangerous secret are both true. This is supported from press reports of the same period that claim that soon after Cohn caught Hoover's eye in Washington, D.C., however, uh, Hoover showered Cohn with compliments and notes and photographs. Author Burton Hirsch uh, similarly, similarly asserts that soon after meeting Hoover, and 
Soon after meeting, Hoover and Cohn traded favors, effective compliments, gifts, and elaborate private dinners. It quickly became Roy and Edgar. So Roy Cohn and Edgar Hoover are dating each other, guys. This is Donald Trump's mentor and J. Edgar Hoover going on dates. Like, All right. The official story also holds that the only bond initially shared between Rosenstiel and Cohn, as it alleged with Hoover and Cohn, was a shared commitment to anti-communism, which has similarly left biographers and observers of their relationship puzzled by improbable anecdotes similar to what described above, yet in an era where the Red Scare raged alongside the so-called Lavender Scare, which targeted homosexuals with the same fervor as the Red Scare targeted communists. The bonds... uh forged between a group of men who shared their forbidden passions in a milieu of secretive orgies, blackmail, and organized crime would have fostered a much stronger sense of camaraderie. The surprising closeness shared among Rosenstiel, Cohn, and Hoover can be seen in other arrangements. For instance, soon after meeting Hoover officially for the first time in 1956, Hoover sent Rosenstiel flowers. Then the latter fell ill. A year later, Rosenstiel was heard telling Hoover, your wish is my command during a meeting <laughs> that same year. Louis B. Nichols, Hoover's number two at the Bureau for decades, was hired to become executive vice president of Rosenstiel's Empire of Shinley. Uh, around this time, it was reported that Rosenstiel had bought large quantities of books about Hoover and distributed them as gifts. In addition, Rosenstiel had also bought no less than 25,000 copies of Masters of Deceit, a book by Hoover about how to fight communism in the United States, which he sent to schools around the country. A few years later, in 1965, Nichols incorporated the J. Edgar Hoover Foundation. Rosenstiel was the principal contributor, giving the foundation 1,000 shares of Shinley stock. And Nichols also gave a smaller yet unknown amount of Shinley shares to the foundation, while the American Jewish League Against Communism, of which Roy Cohn was now president, gave $500 to help start the foundation. A year later, the Dorothy H. and Louis Rosenstiel Foundation gave $50,000 to the foundation. In 1968, the Rosenstiel Foundation gave an additional $1 million to the foundation that was made in the form of bonds of the Glenn Alden Corporation, which took over Stanley, I'm sorry, uh, Shinley Industries that same year. In 1969 reports in the Washington Post uh, later noted that nearly everyone directly associated with Nichols in the Hoover Foundation is or was connected with either the FBI or Shinley's. The report also noted that despite lofty promises regarding the foundation's activities, it spent hardly any money at the time. Uh, the Washington Post report was published in 1969, suggesting that something about the foundation's activities during that period was odd. Around this time, uh, same period, Rosenstiel began to retire, selling his controlling interest to Glenn Alden in 1968 and re-signing as chairman and CEO of Shinley. While it seemed that Cohn would serve as Rosenstiel's successor, in matters of blackmail, it seems another man served as his successor in matters of business, per Rosenstiel's New York Times obituary. Around the same time he had sold his control of Shinley to Glenn Alden and retired, he also sold his Manhattan townhouse bugged for blackmail to Israeli-American businessman uh, Meshulam Rickless. 
Rickless was an influential figure at Glen Alden, whose rise had been regarded with skepticism by Wall Street and the press. Indeed, Rickless had absorbed so many companies, including Glenn Alden Shinley in 1972, into his Rapid American Corporation that he was forced to defend himself publicly, insisting that the fuel for his corporate takeovers involved no mystery money, no unnamed associates, no Swiss bank money. <laughs> so, you know, he's kind of like kind of calling himself out there at the very end. And that's a great way to wrap up that chapter. That chapter is over. So we have some end notes here about uh, Peter Newman, Bronfman Dynasty, Rosenchilds. Uh, lots and lots of references. She has um, how many references? 85 references for this one chapter. Um, really interesting. Um, size 11 year fugitive in homo homosexual blackmail case. The chickens and the bulls. Uh, Rise, incredible fall of vicious extortion ring that preyed on prominent gay men in the 1960s. This is a brilliant article. So I'm going to pull this article up. This is from Slate. Oh, this article no longer exists. Wow. Wow, guys. And uh, I've actually experienced this problem a lot lately. I'll go to look at an article and it's just no longer there. Uh, how inconvenient, you know? So, unfortunately, I'm not able to do that a uh, little bit of a deeper dive like I wanted to. But if y'all have any questions at all, I can take those. Looks like something has gone terribly wrong with my app just now. Let's see. What is going on? Okay, looks like I'm back in my room. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but I lost control of my mic for a second. Oh, I'm... On another app, that's what it is. Okay. I'm hosting from another device. <laughs> oh, what's up, Peter? Hey, Brady, how are you? Doing good. How are you? Good. You were doing this last night, right? Um. Yeah, I do this from time to time. Uh, I, I was actually hosting one this morning, too. Oh, probably this morning. I forgot what. But anyway, I was going to chime in, but the, I was in the middle of something. Yeah, I yeah it was about J. Edgar Hoover giving the black the blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I, I call him the most famous cross dresser of a justice. Yeah. See, because not and only I, he is cross dresser sexually, if that's true, right? He's also a mm -hmm. cross dresser of justice. Well, he did so many shitty things that uh, uh that uh you know described in that book called the uh, Enemies, the history of the FBI. It's just horrible what uh, he did. But yeah, but he's, he's named on the building of the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. today. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. This, yeah. You talk about he was removing Robert Lee's uh, statue in the South. <laughs> Why not removing Hoover's name from the FBI building? Well, I, I got so a reason. Gay, Probably dude. that's why they did all this, uh, you know, this disinformation board stuff because that's what J. Edgar Hoover taught them what to do back then. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was so strange to learn that um, he was uh, so, so involved with these relationships that 
um, it literally cost the Americans uh, our security. Like these relationships he had with these guys were so bad that um, it literally made America a more dangerous place. Like we're talking Roy Cohn, who is Donald Trump's um, mentor um, and I think lawyer for some time or something like that. And I heard a rumor today that Donald Trump himself was involved in a child snuff ring in Texas. Wow. Yep. That's something. Mm -hmm. This story is getting worse and worse as time goes on. So um, it, it, it gets into some really dark, dark areas. And uh, uh, I really hope that all this stuff comes to light, man. Uh, I'm just glad that people are interested in it now. Oh, for sure. Is that oh, a from sure. a podcast? Is that a from a podcast? Or um, what was that? What was what from a? Oh, yeah, it was from a podcast I was watching where they were. It was a a girl who claimed to be part of this snuff ring in Texas, ah. and apparently she ah. was, she was contracted okay. to actually design uh, one of them because uh, what it used to be was it was a circus theme snuff organization and they would dress like clowns and it would be like a circus theme but people would be getting killed and so they contracted this girl to come up with a new kind of theme and so she came up with the idea of uncle sam's snuff factory and what it was is they would have the children dress up as um historical figures and they would have essentially white children killing um brown children racial minorities so you would have white white children um taking part in these rituals where they they would kill ethnic minority children um wow. in like historical wow. historical settings you know dressed up like historical figures like for example the, the assassination of martin luther king you know could be one of them well, I'll hang up. Well, I'll hang up. Sheila she, she, she she oh, I'll make you a speaker just in case you have any other questions. And uh, take the next call. Or, you know, you can call back in if you ever have another question. Um, what's up, Sheila? What do you think? What do you know? What have you heard? I, I don't know if you lost Sheila. We got Peter here still. <laughs> Something's going on. Okay. Hello, mic check. Okay. Hello. No, you're here. I can hear you now. Hello. I can hear you now. Can, can you mute? Can, can my you mute? mute? Not my mute, but the yeah, yeah, that would help. Um, it helps a little bit because there's always an echo on your on your relay. So, um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit disturbed about hearing about a some sort of snuff ring i mean that that's obviously a crime that you said it was being perpetuated by the government do you have any proof of that or is this just hearsay i have an eyewitness I have two eyewitnesses is that considered proof um no okay what is considered proof what would what would proof what would some good proof be well, I mean, if you would mention like the agency when it happened, whether there was a report of crime, which agency they reported to, did somebody try to stop it? Yes, this is all reported to the FBI as usual. And the FBI never does anything about it. Um, and, and do you have uh, an incident report? That would be helpful. 
Hell yeah. Um, I'll see what I can come up with. You know, I need to do some more digging on it. Today is just the first day I heard about it. Okay. So that's the kind of technical stuff you need. Screenshots, uh, you know, if you want to kind of hide the identities of the, of the, the criminals involved or, you know, how did you, I, I'm not going to even ask you how you met those people, but, um, but, you know, those are the kinds of things you got to know. And, you know, if they were, one of the things that the FBI has been pretty awful at in the last, I don't know, five to seven years is that they've been pretty bad at, at turning over um, child sex crime or child crimes, crimes against mm-hmm. children. Um, they will bust a ring. And that's, that's great when they do it. Um, but there's been high profile cases. The one that I'm thinking of right now is where the Olympic champions, um, that were victimized by Larry Nassar in, in the Olympics, like Simone Biles and other high profile gymnasts that you know about, um, were molested repeatedly by Larry Nassar. Uh, both the Olympic Committee knew about it and the FBI knew about it and they colluded to misreport, not report, not enforce. And that went before Congress. So, um, so the FBI has got some real problems. And um, do you know which agency was implicated in this grotesque, you know, child crime? Mm, I let me see. It's like, it's kind of fleeting. I just heard about it really quick on TikTok today. And I, yeah, I need to go back. And as a matter of fact, let's pull the TikTok up. Why not? How about that? Right. Um, and I'll just uh, drop a link to that in the chat. Because it was blowing my mind. I, was I, like, I don't this, know if this I girl... want to see the TikTok. I mean, I, unless you can kind of prove it. And get like an incident report or anything like that. That doesn't sound like like it's real. I mean, there's a lot. Right, of her name is Carly Noel. Mm-hmm. Her name is Carly Noel, and this video was deleted. Um, but there is part of this video that someone captured. And this is probably the most so, uh, difficult video. Here's here's the link to that. And yeah, you want to listen to it? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, well, I'll play I it after you hang up. And, and I, I'm just going to ask you to kind of get more facts um, before you you make it a make it a thing. Um, no, at least know which agency was implicated in in you know a grotesque tra- claim of child crime. You got to get the who, yeah. What, well, these, where. these these girls who are victims might not even know. Huh. Um, typically, uh, there have been these clandestine programs in the past, like, um, and, and they, they basically do it to break down their clandestine agencies and typically associated with the CIA and, uh, like project Stargate projects, you know, you know, MK ultra, the, those were old programs that were in the rear view but those were the type of programs that would literally um, they would go and they would procure children from their parents 
uh, for special ta- talents or abilities and then, um, you know, kind of break them psychotically uh, in order to be able to kind of program them uh, with whatever type of, you know, murderous intent that they wanted to. And funny enough, this is where we get the term starseed from. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of hippies that call themselves, I'm a starseed. I'm sent here from an Andromedan galaxy to liberate humanity. You know these people? Oh, well, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Yeah. But um, specifically the starseed narrative was started by the government. Yeah. It's a government psyop, exactly like you just mentioned. They were looking for talented children. And they were trying to activate their psychic abilities by telling them that they were actually aliens <laughs> from another community. <laughs> and these individuals went on to write to uh, books like the raw material. May I try me? What? Absolutely. Yes, so just... Uh, just want to uh, lower the expectation by the citizens and the people of this country on our federal agencies, right? So Sheila has mentioned that uh, about this uh, uh, Dr. NASA uh, sexual abuse of uh, USA gymnastics. Uh, the FBI was sued and they quickly settled the case without going to the litigation. But uh, there's another very high profile case, which is the Parkland shooting, Parkland High School shooting in Florida. And uh, because uh, multiple reports were made to the FBI hotline about this guy, Nicholas Cruz is about to shoot up some places. The FBI did nothing. Oh yeah, dereliction of duty. Yeah, so they got sued also. And the FBI paid up. But this is what my lawyer friend told me, because I'm doing this uh, judicial white privilege show, right? <laughs> my lawyer friend told me is this. Had these two cases not been majority white people, the FBI would never have settled the case. Because never in the history, in the court history, that the police agency have, have to pay for the lives they fail to protect. Because they always have that qualified immunity. Oh, well, QI is something that definitely needs to be reformed. Yeah. So basically, you know, this is another proof. Basically, depending on some victims are more worthier than other victims. So so this is the second. Another thing is this. Uh, Sheila, remember I told you I was fired because I reported the HIPAA violation? Oh, yeah. You told right? me about that. I actually sent the complaint, right? First of all, I've told you and other people before is that I'm not saying they are racially discriminating against me. I'm just saying they broke the law. They're not supposed they did to break have the law. Yeah. If they broke yeah. HIPAA, they broke, they could get sued yeah. for millions, civil court. Yeah. So I so I send my complaint to the I think it's the OCR of the HHS, right? So I yeah. got the, Office of, of, of the Civil Rights. Yeah, I look up their website, they said it's strange. They said uh, for HIPAA violation, you go to the OCR, which is the uh, Office of Civil Rights. That, I thought that's, that's strange. <laughs> I thought that is for racial discrimination. Not well, for... I mean, there's a, se- a separate segment, but I, and I, I'm not really sure why HIPAA landed there, but that's where it, that's where you go to make the reports. 
Yeah, I thought so too. So I did that. And they sent me a closure letter. Okay. They said this office only handles racial discrimination or, or, or discrimination based on gender, uh, blah, 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 whatever the usual stuff. Therefore, uh, your, com uh, your concern is not going to be addressed by this office. We consider this a matter close. <laughs> it's okay. I don't give a fuck because I only was there for only four months. And, uh, you and know I, what? You may need uh, some assistance in, in filing with with the OCR. I I told them I have a screenshot of a twenty six thousand social security numbers of the employees attached to the claims, not the actual socials, right? Just the the counts, right? Right. <laughs> they fucking have no fucking clue. I said, this you, you is... go back to your lawyer friend and get them get them to help you yeah. file. No, I don't care because the US government is this stupid. <laughs> they are. <laughs> so think about fighting China. No, they're gonna lose because they're so stupid. Well, I mean <laughs> they their bureaucracy no. doesn't want to work. You're you're confusing stupid with lazy. This is lazy. They don't want the workload. No. This is okay. stupidity. <laughs> okay, I mean, we can we can turn it into to that kind of an argument, but if you don't know the HIPAA, you know, weight throughs and ways, I, mm -hmm. I suggest highly if you want to have a productive uh, bureaucratic means that you approach your lawyer on behalf of your your legitimate HIPAA suit, because I, I think you have a moral obligation there, uh, and and you do. It sounds like you had a case, so well, I, actually, I strongly I, I, advise no. you to. To, to if there's a journalist, careful. if there's a journalist who is like a, in, in in this uh, particular southern state, and they want to investigate, I will give them the name who they can talk to, who still works there, who share with me the same concern, who is also a white person. I'll be happy to do that. I don't think it matters, Peter, but you know, I mean, if you make everything about race, people are going to get confused. If if you make if you say that this is a HIPAA privacy matter, which is more prescient, you know. And you put the the privacy in the right box, like in the right, like bureaucratic box, then you will probably get more more traction. I'm not I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying that you know there's, no, there's a right. I know you. I know you. There's a right yes. way and a wrong way to to, to do this. This is a process, you know. And, okay. and this is a criticism, but criticism is okay. Yes, prison's okay. Oh, this, I, Brady knows me. I mean, I take it's criticism. constructive. You know, it's not yes, like exactly. you know, yeah, hey, you're a bad, bad person. You know, and I don't yeah, like yeah. you. Ad hominem yeah. crap. You know, no, it's like this is a process question. We're all like, very friendly here. Right. Peter, Peter's a very friendly guy, and he's very open to criticism. He is. He is. He's got a real case. I really would like to do something good with it. You know, I'd really like to see it happen. Yeah, this is a real story because I was like, you know, another way I do it, I will just go public. I will, I will call the local newspaper. You know, I'll say these these particular hospitals. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, that would be really good. Uh, do you yeah. have like a Channel 4 News, like, you know, news yeah. on your side? Uh-huh. I do not. I do not. I have never disclosed what state this hospital is at. Okay. You know, I have said I still have the screenshot because every time I email the chief compliance officer, I, I CC my personal email address. So I have the screenshot showing here's the 26,000 social security okay. numbers. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. So but, oh, uh, let, let me continue on with other things that Brady may be interested. And, uh, and Sheila, you'll be interested too. Yeah, I, I'm listening. Uh, because uh, I used to talk to William uh, before I find out he is a little bit off because he's very passionate about the 
sexual abuse of minors by the church, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be sensitive that happened to him. So, you know, just yeah, cut him some yeah. slack a little bit. Yeah, 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 I do. Yes, I do. So what happens is this. Think about this. FBI, according to the author of this book that I mentioned earlier, Enemies, the History of FBI, he said any, uh, FBI is pretty much staffed primarily by Irish and the Italian Roman Catholics. So using that as a, a, a maybe an excuse that no sexual abuse by the, these churches are ever investigated by federal authority, despite the fact that diocese of Roman Catholic in the U.S. usually are multi-jurisdictional, meaning, I'll give you an example, Diocese of New York will cover Connecticut, part of the Connecticut. Diocese of Wilmington, Delaware, will cover uh, Maryland, Eastern Shore, Maryland. And we also know the Catholic Church, they move their priests across the state line. To oh, evade. yeah, they've done all that. Yeah, they've done all that. They've yeah, done correct. all that. The guilty think, as charged. Yeah, you would think under this situation, the FBI should have get involved. Guess what? I'll tell you based on where, where, around where I live, okay? The only uh, authority that prosecuted the Catholic Church for this kind of activity of covering up is the Pennsylvania state attorney, now the governor of Pennsylvania, and a Jewish, uh, Shapiro in Pennsylvania, he is a Jewish uh, person, right? Shapiro is a Jewish name. And also in Delaware is by the name of Matt Dan, D-E-N-N. I heard he's, he's also a Jewish. He, uh, among all these uh, civil settlements of hundreds of millions of dollars of uh, hundreds of victims of sexual abuse victims, the FBI, the federal agency, have never stepped in one single case. So with this, whatever Brady's talking about has some truth in it because the FBI, they're in the cahoots with these uh, pedophiles. You know? So, so, so I just want to add this in, into the mix, Brady. I also add yeah. that the CIA was uh, put together by the Knights of Columbus, which is kind of like the Freemasons of Catholicism. Yeah, there's there's a whole um, following of people in London because there's a, there's kind of like you know how like we have a Washington D.C. inside the state of Maryland. It's like its own in, incorporated city that's almost like its own entity. Well, inside of London, there's a similar construct, and uh, it's it's akin to the the London banking tree. Excuse me. And so, Knights of Columbus, I think, was mentioned, but a whole systematic, you know, they they swear up and down. You know, they have been talking for years, about at least ten years, as long as I I can kind of recall. Um, at least 10 years that complaints of, of uh, high level, you know, child sex abuses and uh, to a tolerance, um, you know, kind of here, I'll, I'll also put a link to collusion uh, with, with crimes. You know, it's, it's a form of, of allowing things to happen. It's a, it's a form of corruption, um, but it's, it's, because you're not the direct participant, um, you can, it's very difficult to, hang on, it's very difficult to, to incriminate the person who's, you know, kind of 
participating in a colluded way. It's not really a crime, but it's, it is indifference or allowing or kind of enabling the criminal environment to happen. So I'll add a link um, shortly. Yes, Donald is a swamp creature. <laughs> and I'm really surprised how far he's been able to get um, as far as his presidential campaign. Like, like he's actually going to run for president again after Whitney Webb's book came out. Mm, I'm really hoping that enough people read her book and become aware of this information that it's impossible for Donald to anything in the future. Not just Donald, but a whole lot of people will be seen as ill. Okay. I think it could end World War Three. I think if people pay enough attention to the Jeffrey Epstein network, um, it would reveal enough about the Ukrainian war to put an end to World War Three before it starts. Um, the Ukrainian piece is really complicated because I think it's a it's actually kind of a, a flowering of public policy we've had that's been laying around in Washington, D.C. since the 2010s. So since the Obama administration. So I would say um, I was actually watching Die Hard. <laughs> A good day to die hard. And there that whole film was nothing but Russian counter propaganda. I mean, it was so weird because it's completely current. It was completely current. They had a, a Reaper drone in the sky to take out Russian operatives. Uh, they were busting out uh, political political criminals or people who had been political prisoners who'd been incriminated. There's a lot of backstabbing uh, going on within the, uh, uh, is it the Bundestag or the the Politburo there? I think it's the Bundestag. Uh, Forgive me if I'm not getting that correct. Um, But it's, the the Kremlin is more like the intelligence services and we're talking like the regular government. So, um, you know, I, I, I am failing tonight on my Russian government <laughs> exam, but the, the core Russian government of the art, uh, the Russian, I think it's the Russian Federation. Um, they, they have a role in doing a few things, but they are kind of run by a bunch of oligarchs. That's like five guys. And the rest is kind of, uh, I don't know how they're making it over there. I don't know how Edward Snowden is doing, you know, because he, he got Russian citizenship, whether he wanted to or not. (laughs) And I don't know if they've got him working on Russian war stuff or not. So that's going to complicate things for that guy. It's not like his life isn't complicated enough, but you know, it's going to, keep things complicated for him so uh i will just hand the mic back to you um let me let me get a little research before i open my mouth again. 
Yeah, no worries. Um, I'll run my mouth before doing any kind of research. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'll admit it later. <laughs> so I, so I operate. <laughs> Not afraid of being wrong. <clears throat> but um, I guess uh, if no one has any more questions, I was just gonna play this tape of an accusation of this girl because I want I want to do some more research into this, and her name is. This is probably the most Carly Noel, K-A-R-L-Y Noel. And this is her deleted video about Uncle Sam's snuff factory. Uh, difficult video that um, I have to make. Um, when I say have to, Donald isn't going to talk about this topic. And it's a huge part of the history of the cloning centers. And it's the Illuminati's in child industry. Um, it's not easy to talk about sex abuse and child trafficking. Um, it's not easy to talk about abuse when it's happened to, you know, oneself. But it's even more difficult to talk about the abuse of countless numbers of children. You may know who Katie Groves is. Um, I have met and interacted with Katie Groves at Uncle Sam's Snuff Factory. Hello, my name is Katie Groves and I am a survivor of the child snuff industry. This video is about my experience growing up in a child snuff ring known as Uncle Sam's Snuff Factory. Um, the stories in her testimonies that she tells on her channel are absolutely true. However, I don't know her personally by the name of Katie Groves. I know her by another name, Jenna. And that's, that's all that I'm going to say about that for now. There's a lot more to be said regarding Katie Groves, a.k.a. Jenna. However, I know who Katie Groves is. This is probably the most uh, difficult video that um, I... Okay, so that's just like a, a brief intro into her little three-part video segment that's on TikTok. And here is a link to that TikTok in case anyone wants to follow up on that. Because, I mean... It, they could just be some two crazy chicks who are just saying, making up stories, who knows. But at this point, I'm willing to at least dig a little deeper and investigate because I found that when I do dig deeper into these subjects, I end up finding a lot of really interesting. Yeah, Brady, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, so in case you want to dig into it further, so I will encourage you to uh, listen to our call the victim's description of the, uh, the uh, of the encounter in that uh, snuff factory, whatever it's called, because uh, I personally did review like a seven and a half hours of a uh, uh, child interviews involving a case uh, of a guy who was accused of uh, sexually molesting three young girls. Uh, through sleepover. 
So there's about eight children's interview. I have watched about、uh, all these the interviews for like seven and a half hours. That must be terrible. Oh,、uh, actually, it, yes, it's a, it's a. You know, you can Google this guy, Scott Husband, S C O T. I mean, were、Husband. you required to do this for work, Peter? Like, no one really wants to sit around and watch seven hours of. of I of, did because this、why? guy, this guy is facing thirty-two years in in jail. So he, okay, he, I mean, but but you know, what's your what's your investment? Are you were you just curious about true crime? Yeah. I like I said, I know、so、of it. You watched seven hours. Yes, I'll tell you why. How did you get access to this this footage?、Uh, there's a criminal trial. Okay, so it's public. There's a jury trial. Yes, but of course the child interviews are not public because they are underage. Okay, so, so how did you get again? How did you get access to the? To oh,、interview? I got I got lost stuff. Let me in in Delaware. There's one doctor pediatrician molested over. Eight hundred young girls. Okay, so how did you get access to the video? You know, a lot of people these days they call it open uh, source uh, uh, military intelligence. I guess they, this is how they come up with all this、uh, war information about Ukraine war and all that. Open that, source. They call it. Oh yeah, I actually did open source because a lot of the trial material with、uh, uh, victims' testimony. If they are adults, they are actually also police reports. They are public records. Yeah. So I see that.、Mm-hmm. So going back to what、uh, Brady is trying to do, so I would just strongly encourage you doing this: is that you want to make sure that victim is not jump right into a conclusion. You want to hear usually the real victims. They will tell you because the children usually child victims. They usually have a very good memory. They will tell you exactly the surroundings,、uh, and the, ste- the exact,、uh, almost exact sequence. What happened first, and what happened first, what happened first,、uh, next. They are very specific. Like、uh, I will give you another example. I I do have personally have interaction with this、uh, victim in Delaware who is molested by a sitting judge when、wow. he was fourteen as a as a foster child. So I read his、uh, complaint. He because he sued his judge pro se. Okay. Okay. Well,、mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, I, no, I'm I'm taking in your information. When I say okay, I, I I've got your point. Okay. You know, that, that you so, this was a this was a public document. It wasn't you know it was open because it was a civil trial. Uh, for this and and they can't unless they put a gag order or agree to not speak of it. Um, which is a, happens a lot in civil cases, if the feds and forfeit criminal prosecution, which they will do,、uh, they they kick it directly to civil, and then they ha- have done things like sued the, the Catholic diocese, and then、uh, they write a check, and it's basically to keep everybody quiet. Yes, exactly. Okay, and and、uh, for damages. Yep. And then,、uh, but that's that's a bad way to to remedy crime, because it's how R. Kelly got away with what he was doing for years. Yes, I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. So so,、uh, but it was a civil case, but it had not been、uh, gagged yet. So so continue, please. Yeah. So what I'm just encouraging、uh, Brady is that if you're going to spend time to watch that. Ladies'、uh, recounts of the event, right? You want to pay attention to、uh, how she described 
sequence by sequence what what is her observation like uh, the color of the room uh you know things of that na nature a lot that of is details like usually... that do come out a lot of details like that yeah you want, you want to you, you want to watch those because uh, that's where you're going to use to uh, to find other witnesses to to cooperate that this victim's testimony because it can get tricky so so Syn syncope says uh they knew what that what r kelly was doing for years and let it go on until they were ready to cash in he has an eighth grade education Epstein had an office at Harvard and was working with their scientists. MK Ultra w w is a great word to drop when you want people to sound crazy. Canada did actually compensate survivors of the depatterning sleep rooms of the Allen Institute. It was a Nazi American CIA pro project, and it's acknowledged that this shit was going on, but oops, it's all CIA paperwork disappeared somehow. Well, nobody trusts the CIA. I mean, I, I think... Is there a single soul in this room that can say that they trust the CIA? To be I don't even trust the FBI, so forget about CIA. Okay, CIA. Br Brady, do do you, do you trust the CIA? Like, do you trust them to to hold your wallet? Like, do you trust them with anything? No, I do not. <laughs> okay, I don't think anybody in this room trusts or is a friend of the CIA. So you know, if if they are, are smeared and maligned, because what they have done in the past is they have. Uh, They've gone off mission and their mission is a foreign directed mission. And Tulsi Gabbard said something about that. Um, she republished or reposted an article that was written by, I think it was Truman and Truman started the air, the agency. So Harry Truman started the national security agency. And he said that, Anything that wasn't foreign directed for the CIA should be completely lanced, I mean, lopped off completely. And these uh, former uh, Nazi spy programs from like Operation Paperclip, um, where we brought over uh, scientists for the preservation of knowledge, and then it just made us really evil. Well, all that stuff needs to 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 really be disincorporated. Like it's made us, uh, it's really injured our citizens. It's it's made us a it's made us a terrible, terrible nation. No. You know? So has the romantic relationships of J. Edgar Hoover have <laughs> literally ruined this country. I don't think you're going to be able to stop that. That's that sounds like modern day DC right now. That's probably going on right now. I mean, not necessarily with. I just can't you know, believe. I can't believe how influential his sex life was. Like, I knew, I heard rumors that he was a crossdresser, that he was gay, and I'm like, okay, big deal. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's a hypocritical, which is a big deal. But it, it I mean, I, I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't blowing it off as a big. It was a really big deal that this man who was so vehemently uh, anti-communist at a time when people were also so anti-gay. Um, yeah. I mean, really there was did. a, there was a he Hollywood publication that if it was a, it was kind of a heat sheet. And um, if you ended up in that public publication for, as being seen as somebody who was, had these dalliances that were, were gay, um, then you would not get work in Hollywood. 
So they were discriminating against um, gay people in Hollywood uh, when, uh, right around the same time that they were they were basically incriminating or, or maligning, you know, communists for being communists in Hollywood. And, and but nobody knew that they were going to rise to such prominence for being victims. And then, you know, oh, you know, we, we treated so bad you badly. So now we have to embrace you and give you stuff. You know, and and if that had never happened, if they had not been guilted into that and they had just been treated like, okay, a communist has to be just as professional as a Republican, you know, or or you don't work here. You leave your politics at the door, cut the tape, shoot the shot and and uh, and 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 do your lines, act the scene. And and if you're too difficult, you're out of here. But they didn't keep it that way. Things got weird and political in Hollywood. And it went all lefty, and you know now we have what we have. But Hoover get rid of the gays in the in the government, right? He has a program to get rid of the gays from the state departments and the and the FBI. I'm not sure he did it. I'm sure he kept the ones that were gay really quiet. That's what I think happened. No, I thought he actually had an actual program to get rid of the gays from from the from the state departments, and the, because he literally collect names. He will collect names and send them like a some kind of a letter saying we know you're gay. Uh, you know what? Signed. That's you know it, it's another form of the blacklist. And yeah. here's what I'm I'm learning about blacklist is like if you ever discover that you're on one, it's because government wants you to do what they want. Okay, yeah. so a lot well, of a lot well, of gay people were enlisted in clandestine um, service work as a result of those stupid blacklist they blackmailed yeah. them right into serving for the for the government paid or not they they ended up uh blackmailing them into to working for the government as yeah i think that, i think that all the, uh hoover instructed his uh like a lifelong uh, lifelong uh assistant to burn a lot of his stuff uh, uh after his death and this is actually was carried out and uh and uh this is what I I think I read from somewhere. He he has like some kind of a one of his gay friends is is his assistant, like a life, uh, lifetime like a companion or whatever. Yeah. So oh, well, I, is God rest his soul because everybody in this scenario is dead. They're all dead. Yep. They are deceased. <laughs> everybody we're talking about is dead, dead, dead. So you, there's no way to defame them. There's no way to to say bad things about them. And, you know, so so uh, even if I still got kicked off Facebook, I got a 30 day, 30 day ban from Facebook for making a joke about Julius Caesar. Oh, oh, that's right. The other thing I wanted to tell you about blacklists is that um, uh, with this Twitter files, um, I discovered that I can't enter certain certain things into Colin CMS. Like if I put in the word surveillance state earlier, um, then uh, it blanked out everything I was discussing. So it was a really weird thing. Um, I alerted I alerted David Sachs to, to to what might be going on. So there might be, I don't know. People are trying to cleanse themselves of a lot of virality project or code that might have been used from you know other people in the field uh during covid 
I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of, you know, reach the government has had in, in all of social media. What I do know is that Colin was a, was a big attraction as a platform for people who were getting um, basically booted from Clubhouse and other social, um, social apps, social podcasting apps. And this is the first social podcasting app I've ever used, but it doesn't mean that they haven't suffered the slings and arrows of, of being threatened by the federal government and um, being foisted into this kind of like, okay, you're in a network. Here is the hot sheet of all the bad users, like all the bad people that need to go into our column of, of COVID dissidents. Um, Cause there was, apparently there, there was. So I, I need to follow up with Matt Taibbi's people and try to get a list of those terms. And so I'm going to try to run a little experiment by, you know, basically putting the list of the terms or one by one into the CMS to see if the system will treat it as harm. Okay. Because most of this stuff was, was, uh, was laundered as trust and safety and, when I was up in University of Washington, I know I'm going on, I'll, I'll wrap it up here sh- shortly, but there's been a very big hassle trying to get people to define what harm is. And so what harm actually is legally has been become this kind of gelatinous goop. Um, it's, it's amorphous and dependent on an, you know, authoritative source to say what harm is. So because it's never clearly defined, they can keep it in this autocratic range of, uh, of susceptibility. And that's, that's a tactic that Ryan Kahlo and the legal engineers over at University of Washington and in the other big Washington have been doing for a while now with privacy. Because nobody wants to hammer down the harms that or the hostilities for privacy that have been going on for a long time. In fact, they don't they don't admit that privacy violations are actually intellectual property and property harms and violations. Okay, when I pulled it over there, everybody wants to just scare me away and say it does, they they clap their hands over their ears and say this doesn't exist, this doesn't exist. You know, it, it's not law, uh, and they, they, they literally can't do that. So uh, I just want to mention that the CFPB is doing a public input. Um, if you want to claim your intellectual property as your data, um, and you have never been offered the opportunity to price your data or any of those, any such things, because it is being sold without ever getting a price quote from you, time and again by data brokers over and over and over to to all over the planet so you need to weigh in if that's concerning you uh but i think it will make a tremendous difference in how privacy is administrated because right now uh it, it you know all these all these agencies have access to you governments that you don't want to look at you have access to you because they can just go pay for the information and then they can come pick on your account so yeah, uh- I'm glad you mentioned it, Sheila, because I actually, I remember when I first called in your show, I oh, yeah. told you this, is that I actually have a plan to denounce my U.S. citizenship 
Why? So I can go uh, to, so I can go back to China to invent a app to take total control of someone's private data, and it will be hot. In fact, I'm going to hire a high school grad in the coming month to formally evaluate the technicality, the feasibility of doing that. If it's doable, I actually talked to my lawyer this uh, a few days ago. I said I intend to denounce my U.S. citizenship first, and then I will go. I will tell them I'm going to go back to China because I know in the U.S. you do not protect the patient privacy. In fact, you have a shitty law in the states to allow invasion invasion of women's health private data. For law well, mental health data too. I, I've yeah. noticed that, oh, that, the, the, exactly. that the mental health data is mm -hmm. don't ever use if if it like BetterHelp or any of the online therapy apps. Do not use it. It will be sprayed to hither and yon, and everyone will know your business. They will know how many times you were abused if you ever disclose that on the app. Okay, yep. it is not protected at all. No, no. Like I said, this is why I'm passionate about HIPAA violations. That's why I report it. And because I know even the agencies that are supposed to protect uh, the privacy of the United uh, States citizens are, are stupid. They're just as simple as that. So well, I'm not going to get to about later that U.S. government come to me and say, okay, Peter, you stole our technology. No, I don't. I'll make a declaration. I'm out of here. Bye bye. Adios. Well, don't go go to Taiwan. No, I'm not going to Taiwan. Taiwan will be attacked in case maybe the U.S. Marine will land in Taiwan, then China will attack. Who the fuck cares? Oh, by the way, Sheila, I in my show today I said there's a Taiwanese soldier literally took off his uniform. I swim all the way to mainland China, and Taiwanese government issue an arrest warrant of him. It's hilarious news. So uh, now I don't think there will be a war for Taiwan. But I don't. I want to, you know, I don't want to be in Taiwan. Trust me. I, I love Taiwan. I would love to travel there, but not, not for. Peter, I mean, like, you're you're like you're like this weird deep researcher guy. You know, you you just told me openly, like you like, like openly. I'm gonna I'm gonna farm, you know, biomedical data in, in that comes from the United States as commerce. I'm going to invent an app, and I'm going to forego my citizenship. No, I didn't. No, I'm going to say is that I'm going to invent an app to have a, allow people of any country to have a total control of their healthcare data to start with, which means that they still get get proper care from their providers, but no one except themselves can have the one hundred. I mean, you don't absolute. have to do that. You can you can just go invent something on the blockchain now. Nah, nah, and, it's not. And, the, and, the U.S. government will be. Uh, by the way, in Texas already, there will be a law banning Chinese to buy land. Well, I so mean, I that's buying land, you know. And well, the thing that, is, I know if what's you're coming. Not Chinese, it doesn't matter. You're an American citizen right now, so it doesn't even matter. Well, they, they put a provision in there that said, you know, if you are a United States citizen, you know, you can buy land if you're a United States citizen. But you know, it, what concerns me is this weird, you know. Cross patterning, but you know it's 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 just weird to me. Okay, I have no I have no problems with with Chinese people. I've been involved with the Hong Kong movement, you know, for for democracy. I just want you to know that.
You know, I have a diode sticker on the back of my Subaru. Uh, you know, right. like I wore, I wore the Jasmine flower to uh-huh. go vote this year. Uh-huh. <laughs> and right. you know, believe it or not, the, the communists didn't fuck with me at the at the at the voting place. So, <laughs> you know, because they're like, oh, okay. But like I said, this this country is is in very bad shape, and uh, and uh, okay, that that yes. Yes, uh, I'm not, I will. I will say we're, it's not. It's not been the best time for America, but um, but I, I I live here. I'm a citizen. I'm not giving up on it. And it's you know it's it's my country. It's a country I've got, and you know I'm gonna stand by her, and help her improve. And so far, well, I, I by investing my time and energy and civil liberties, it's 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 proven pretty furtive. I'll, I'll tell you what, we got a pretty good report this week. You know, we, we got a bill passed through Congress. It's, it's sitting on um, old Biden's desk, and I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to sign it. Uh, uh, what what, what law? What, what what is it? Well, um, according to the the work that was done with the Twitter files, the yield, the return on the investment, is that uh, there is going to be an injunction or a prohibition on any federal agency to buy or intrude into um, social media or inter- internet service providers without a warrant um, and to also, um, I'm not sure that's what it said exactly, but the, the gist is this, is that they're not gonna be able to coerce um, companies like say call in to make them do content moderation. Okay. So the common thread throughout this whole thing with the Twitter files is, you know, a threat of impugning the reputation of the social media company for not doing what the government wanted and the government using or harassing uh, social media and media to the force of the media to try to, to dog them and harass them saying, well, you didn't, you didn't give uh, these these dissidents to the government, so we're gonna we're gonna go to the press, and the press is gonna is gonna hassle you. You know, got the story that that you wouldn't hand them over, so there's no more coercion. You cannot be able to to coerce the government, or the government won't be able to coerce uh, social media companies or media companies to do content moderation of users who have a private. A, a agreement like they have a single agreement with the company like i have a, a terms of service agreement that i agreed with colin and that should be like you know my agreement with colin not my agreement with the federal government but the government has kind of like angled themselves as, as a proxy and why not the tiktok uh, uh do the content moderation for for the <laughs> chinese government they should have done that right well, I mean, I don't know what's going on necessarily with TikTok, but Europe is considering similar legislation. You just need to know that. Um, well, they're white people too. Yeah. Yes, most of them are white, but not they're all. They're all white, I think. They're all white. That's where the white people come from. So, yes. <laughs> by by and large, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. It's, okay. it's mostly. I, I always say it's not me. One always talk about race. It's just like they come up to my race all the time. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I don't want that to to happen to you. 
Um, but you know, I've, I've been through my own, uh, you know, everybody gets their chance to be picked on. <laughs> everybody gets their, you know, everybody gets their chance. I know, I know that in California, uh, both the Chinese and the indigenous and the Mexicans uh, were, everybody was treated really badly mm-hmm. at, at, before, say, 1955. Mm-hmm. Everybody treated real bad. And... <laughs> And I would say that, that there's a vestigial remnant of California liberals who are there who still feel fa- fairly entitled to uh, treat minorities like shit. So um, I can't, I, I'm not their conscience though. I never had any problems. You know, I know when I'm dealing with somebody who's a racist, but I don't take it on the inside uh, like I'm expected to. <laughs> the witnesses that I was just playing, you guys, uh, she witnessed how racist the uh, snuff participants were. She noticed their racism and made note of that as well. Yeah, I love those behind the closed door accounts of what actually is talking, right? I, I, you know, I just enjoy those. Yeah, I'm with Peter. I know that it's hard to watch and watching terrible things like that can literally lower your immunity. Um, So it literally makes you sick to watch some of the stuff. But I feel like it's such important work to be a witness for those people and to be a voice for them on their behalf. Um, Well, you choose your issues, Brady. Brady Crow. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got privacy. I've got all these civil libertarian issues. I don't got to do that. <laughs> you can take that one up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got ro- I got room for all that. Okay. I got enough energy you, for you all that stuff. That, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you. Woo! Yeah, I got room for that and more. I still got room for more. I could be doing more. Is the, is the truth? But uh. <clears throat> well, God bless yeah, you for, this- for having such an open forum. Yeah, right. I feel like this is the coolest thing about Colin is that we could really talk about anything here. Like, I haven't been censored yet. It's a bit of a miracle. Yeah, and and I don't. I wanted to stay that way. I was really concerned when I entered the term surveillance state, which actually was flagged by the Virality Project for for problem. You know, for for immediate like censorship. And anybody who had problems with the surveillance state, those people were, were cited as problems, problem actors, and, and, and rabble rousers and bad people because they didn't want the surveillance state. What does that tell you about Silicon Valley? They're like, anyone who opposes our surveillance business model is a bad person. Anyone who opposes the fact that we're stealing their property and licensing it oh. hand over fist against our, you know, against their interests. Well, they're the bad people. So here's something <laughs> that I think a lot of people don't consider, though. Uh, a lot of muggles don't know about or consider is scalar technology is right around the corner. Oh, and this yeah. technology is so powerful that the school shooters of the future could be planet destroyers. They could potentially wipe out all life on Earth. This is a huge problem. And it's a problem that I'm more than willing to sacrifice. I'm more than willing to sacrifice all of my privacy for. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm not, I'm going to help you down that journey. 
I think you need more information and I, I don't I don't think you should should throw your privacy into a blender. Not not now, not yet, because we can we can definitely get our arms around the the technology while it's in its infancy. So, so hey Sheila. Can... Go ahead. Sheila, I wanna run this scenario with you, okay? This is pretty hilarious. For the My Lai massacre in Vietnam, there is a soldier who is not at the scene, but he heard he heard about this incident, so he went on, uh, did a, a letter writing campaign to have his fellow soldiers who was on the scene during the My Lai massacre to write to their congressmen about the incident. And uh, Seymour Hirsch actually is, I think, if I remember correctly, is more of a after the fact. He he learned about it. He start digging too. In this HIPAA violation situation, am I legally okay to reach out to a journalist in in that state? In that it's a big city. In the in the state of violation. Yes, and then tell them that I know someone else who also know this violation. Go talk to them. You know what I would actually tell you to do before you did anything else is ask for a sit-down meeting with the attorneys general because their data breach, and look for data breach laws in your state because if they overexpose the data and, and look at the language of, of, of how, get them to explain it to you, that if you go in the door and you say, I have concerns about this entity conducting a years-long data breach with employee data, it's, it's above a certain number, like whatever number it is, it might be over 50,000 people. It might be over 5,000 people. I don't know what state you're in, but it's a technical matter. If you go in the door and you say, hey, AG, I have a, I have a great concern that uh, there has been a data breach at XY Hospital. It's employee information. It's, it's sensitive uh, information like social security numbers and addresses and things like that. Um, and you go in the door and someone will, will, will attend to you. Someone will attend to your concern and they will explain to you, okay, this part is HIPAA. Go file with this person. I will help you go talk to so-and-so. This is what they should be doing. Go talk to so-and-so in the HIPAA office. And here is their number. Here is their email. You know, they will help you, uh, submit a, a complaint um, hopefully they will help you do a co-complaint with the state because the state, if that's over a certain amount of information and more than one state is involved, then they may have a multi-state lawsuit against this hospital. So I want you to give the attorney's general's office a chance. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, uh, I don't want to be considered, okay, this guy has a bad employment relationship with the employer. He's just to, you know, have some nefarious reasons to do this. I was like, I don't want to get involved, but I know this guy also knows about it. And he also knows another person at the, the senior management level has said this is wrong. I go after, after, uh, go after these two fellows. One still works in this hospital. They will tell you everything. They will tell yeah, you just, everything. Just that go I know. show them what you got. Go, sh go to the what? attorney general's office and uh you know walk in there and and see if you can get an appointment mm -hmm. um go in person 
you know, they're going to want no, to No, it's go very online. far away. I mean, I'm in Dallawa. I, I have to drive at least like a, you know, a day or two to, to, get, to go there. You know, I actually, I, I you know, like, I actually expected the federal agency is this stupid. I don't blame them because that's my expectation. They are being stupid. And you they, know, they, they, never... they could just be over overrun. You know, there's a lot of violation going on. A lot. And they're using the research. Nah, I, think, uh, no, I think the FBI should be considered a female body inspector, not the Federal Bureau <laughs> of Inspector. I think they're busy with uh, inspecting okay. female bodies. I mean, yeah. I, I really believe if you call if you call the HIPAA administrator stupid, I'm not going to. Maybe lazy and stupid. They're government workers. I'm not going to. Yes. Yeah. Okay, uncle. They are low, but, ma- you know, low morale. I'm not sure. I'm not on the inside. I don't know. Well, I appreciate your, your, your <laughs> feedback. We often <laughs> excuse psychopathy for stupidity, and I don't think that's the case. I think these people know exactly what they're doing, and they're obfuscating progress and pretending to be stupid or lazy. See, that's even worse. That's that's even worse. That's a, that's a deep character flaw to be a psychopath. I know. I know you're telling the truth because I've one i know what it's like to be one and you're right it's fucking terrifying it's a big problem like i would i cringe when i think of the person i would be without psychedelics to like intervene in my life and like make me a better person because you i mean just i would have been like probably a meth head crazy just nuisance of a human I mean, I already, my inhibitions are kind of low. Like, I really, I mean, I only care about what certain people think about me, <laughs> you know? And like, um, I, I mean, if I were to keep drinking alcohol or keep taking stimulants like I was, it just makes me cringe to think of the kind of person I would be, you know? I look around at some of the men around me, and I'm like, I could be one of these dudes, you know? And it just makes me want to vomit. Everybody's got their their complaints, Brady. I mean, this it's not a perfect world. We're lowered in the mor morass of sin, sin yes. despair. I have complaints, <laughs> and I'm not afraid of separating but, but the sheep from the Try to have a spiritual goat. attitude. Try to try to reach for something higher. Don't spend so much time in the in the muck in the lowland. Don't you got to got to come path. out of it sometimes. It, that's the fastest path to enlightenment is exposure therapy. It's, it's running towards what you hate, running towards what you fear, embracing what you fear until what you fear is no longer, until you're not afraid of it anymore, you know? And like that's these incredible. crazy. That's, that's incredible that you said that. It's, it's, a, it's an act of courage and bravery to do that. Yeah, you know, like I, I literally don't care if um, these vampire overlords want to come at me. You know what I mean? Um, it's gonna, it's gonna make them look bad at this point. You know, um, is all it's gonna do for them. So, um, and I honestly believe that um, through psychedelic therapy and uh, modern, uh, what we know about modern psychology, um, we can 
repair these people, make them good again. We can literally antidote them into legitimate, like decent humans again, and perhaps even forgive them of these like atrocious, crazy sins one day, like after things have been atoned for and like things have been set straight. Like, um, I'm incredibly forgiving, but not until uh, accountability has been taken, like not until there's like true repentance or accountability, you know, but like, as soon as somebody is truly honestly sorry for what they've done like mm -hmm. i'm incredibly forgiving but if they have not reached that point yet i i can be very scary <laughs> you know what i mean so um i'm not afraid of these guys and beyond not being afraid of them like i realize that they are just victims of trauma too and like um they deserve healing as much as i did you know what i mean um so, well, I can't. I can't speak to the majority of of the uh, the agency workforce because not everybody, uh, not everybody has a necrotic conscience. Obviously, um, yeah, they're exactly. they're there to 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 serve and protect if they can. But they're, and then at the same time, all of us do have a necrotic conscience. Like that that capacity lies within each one of us, dependent on our circumstances, and well, like we I mean, are all. You can take out your own garbage. Everybody's got their own bag of garbage. You know, I prefer to take mine out and, and, and deal with it, like get rid of it. Um, everybody's accountable for their own. There's no like garbage service though, that comes to get your personal junk. You have, everybody has to self-administrate. So, um, you know, I just, I congratulate you on your inner work that you're doing. Um, I'm just, uh, I, I am continually challenged because I'm a Christian person. Um, and oh I'm, I'm a gross. Christian person who's, who's, uh, challenged by the idea of, of forgiveness and letting things go because, uh, sometimes I've got people still kind of, they're not done beating me in the face for no reason exactly well, like i said you don't have to forgive them <laughs> until they've until they've atoned until they've they're, admitted they're what their sin yet. was <laughs> yeah so, like I mean, jesus I'm started just... flipping tables not not only did jesus start flipping tables he sat outside the building braided broken glass and rocks into a whip and proceeded to beat people with that whip <laughs> like this is this is this is i'm not the, sure about that the, the god king yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I I know that there was a table flipping Jesus. You know, I, that, that one I know. No, no, no. And you he need to go back and read the scripture. Go back and read the scripture. He didn't just flip tables. He mm -hmm. sat outside the temple, premeditated everything he was doing. He, he literally sat there, took the time to make a whip. He made a whip himself, and he put rocks in it. And glad, well, like go get the, go get the good book then then brady I, the <laughs> thing that i'm trying to get to is the the pray for those who who do wrong to you the beatitudes and and to do good to those who are working against you do good to them do good to them and i, I i'm really challenged by that because well, you know, if someone's not done beating me in the face or they're not done, like, making my life hard and let's say they come to me and they're like, they, they have a spirit of righteousness, like, like they have a, 
an aura of righteousness, but they have no intention of doing any right to you. Like I'm going to be the authoritative right actor wearing the color of, of authority. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to believe that I'm right. So when I do this wrong thing to you, it will appear to be right, but it is in fact still, still wrong. It is still an act of aggression and hostility when it is just so um when that happens that is an abuse of power and you know you have the right in those moments to to defend yourself defend Mm -hmm. your property um Mm -hmm. establish boundaries the devil comes to steal kill and destroy Well, the devil isn't real. The devil isn't real. If the devil was real, God would just kill the devil and there would be, everyone would be happy ever after. God isn't real either. God is a, uh, well, then why are you you arguing with me over the Bible? This is my own, this is my own belief system, Brady. Yeah. And, and, you know, it it doesn't, it matters not to you. The the, the lesson that I'm trying to, to convey here is one of Christian spirituality. So, so I'm trying yes. to convey the, the idea. What you're trying to do is, I mean, it, it's like me sitting here trying to tell you, all right, but in Harry Potter, like there's this one time where Voldemort was bad and you see like what we need to do is we need to cast spells like in Harry Potter to like get rid of Voldemort and like, you understand what you're putting me through right now, right? I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but the thing is, is that it's okay you also to gotta say watch you don't the clock. what I believe. You also it's just okay got to watch the clock that. and make sure that we're rotating the microphone in somewhere. Oh, okay, and we're just okay, making I got like it, one I got of, it. You know, but I just yeah. to close out my thoughts with that. Um, I'm, I'm being challenged in the area of my own system of belief that yes. uh, finding a path to kindness, it can be difficult when somebody's still, still injuring your interest. I, I, I resonate yes. with you there. Yes. And, and what something that makes it easier for you, I think would be the esoteric meaning of Christianity, which is Christ consciousness, which is simply the awareness that we are all the same thing. Like we are all of the same stuff. We are essentially all one hive mind together. And when you really start to relate with every other living thing in the universe, like it changes your perspective to the point where you're much more forgiving as a natural side effect of that. And it's like forgiveness comes naturally when you have that elevated perspective, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, by meditating and doing the things and breathing and treating yourself right and having a a good relationship with your environment, um, you can gain this kind of clarity of mind and it makes it so much easier to forgive people it's kind of like it's kind of like why you don't get super mad or pissed off at kids when they fart out loud in public or something like that you know like like if a grown man came up to you and like uh just kind of farted like was having a conversation with you and just like farted and then just kept talking like it didn't happen you'd be like what the fuck dude like you know what i mean but if a kid does it you're like okay whatever he doesn't know any better you know what i mean and so it's kind of like it just becomes a lot easier in that way to like let things slide even when it's fucking i mean like the most horrible things you can imagine to some extent you know it's like we realize that this is a result of our environment that we are trying to harmonize with and that if we could set up different circumstances, these people never would have been this evil, you know? So, um, 
it's, it's a recognition that we are all interconnected and we are all each other essentially. And I think that's the real meaning of Christianity for me, at least that's the mystical interpretation. And it, it may, and honestly, I mean, it, it makes everything in Christianity much more meaningful for me. I mean, the Bible is a very useful book for many reasons it has, but unfortunately it's been, I don't know what the fuck is up with the Bible, dude. I don't know what's up with the cult of Yahweh, but I don't trust it. <laughs> there's some good things in there. Like there's some really, really, really good things in there to learn that should be taught, but just aren't taught. And then there's some really like whack stuff that's like literally interpreted. And for some reason that's like heavily promoted. And that just leads me to believe that this is in fact a mind control cult, like, you know, ancient psyops. And I think it's inherently toxic. And I, th I also think that the more we talk about how toxic the cult of Yahweh is, the better off humanity will be very much like the Jeffrey Epstein network. They're both intimately connected. But I don't think anyone's done a book on Jeffrey Epstein's relationship with the cult of Yahweh. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever like looking in that particular direction or like, I mean, I guess there have been investigations into um, maybe like specific. Am I still with you guys? Are you guys still with me? I feel like I lost y'all. But um, <clears throat> there's investigations into like churches and synagogues and individual cases like the Southern Baptist sex scandal, but no one's really talking about like the holistic toxicity or the holistic sexual toxicity of the cult of Yahweh. There's a lot I, of. Uh, oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you short. Go ahead, Brady. The whole whole point is that um, there's a lot of sexual toxicity surrounding the cult of Yahweh. And I feel like from people on the outside, it's like really obvious from, from people on the inside. It's like they just don't see it like they refuse to look at it. And so I'm trying to shatter that cognitive dissonance as much as I can. But um, I think it's useful to talk about. What do you think? And I think it's also connected to the Jeffrey Epstein story as well. I uh, I respect everyone's uh spirituality i believe you know uh, you know everyone has their rights to believe whatever they choose to believe i'll, I'll never like you know despise or look down upon people who have a uh, faith in in you know in their creators i know that so but uh i don't i don't want to, i do want to share this is that my lawyer friend is an atheist i told him i'm a agnostic person, not an atheist per se, but he's tried to convert me into an atheist. I said, there's no chance I'm going to be converted to an atheist. You know, I go to YMCA very often, and I know YMCA is a Christian uh, organization, at least originally speaking. But he told me that I have to look up this uh, YouTube channel called uh, Friendly Atheist. Because he told me he recently saw an episode about someone compare having sex with a woman is like in the temple of some heaven or something. I forgot how he expressed it. I was laughing my ass off. I was like, well, <laughs> that was me. Say that. I think that was me. <laughs> oh, really? I'm going, to I'm going to look up that the friendly atheist to look up that, that particular 
<laughs> episode talking about a, a preacher of some sort uh, explaining to his wife that having sex with her is like whatever to make a woman like uh, entering some kind of a temple of heaven or whatever. I, was, I want to hear that because that's a direct link of having sex and having faith in God. And I don't know whether that has anything to do with what you just said, uh, Brady. Oh, maybe I drove Does, Sheila away. Like, I think, yeah, they don't like talking about this kind of stuff. You know, I don't blame them. But, um, oh, okay. I mean, okay. I think it'd be easier just to come clean and say, hey, you know what? Maybe you guys are right. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think it's it's not hard to just be like, hey, wow, maybe you're right. You know, like, that's just, <laughs> it's how it was for me. Um, I, oh. I, I talked to someone one day and they were like, about God. And they're like, this, I think it's my first girlfriend. And she was like, oh, that stuff is nonsense. And I'm like, hey, maybe you're right. <laughs> Actually, you know, you're right. <laughs> and it's as simple as that for me. And um, yeah, I agree with the priest that the closest thing to immortality that we have on this planet is um, having a child or reproduction. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it's every action that we take, every thought that we have sends a ripple throughout the universe that will affect the future forever going into mm-hmm. infinity. So yeah. everything that we do today is essentially an immortal act. And it's the realization that we are all immortals already um, in that way that really makes you an immortal. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you, Brady, today. And uh yeah, really cool conversation we had um, from this uh, Whitney Webb book. I'm really glad, uh, happy with the conversation that it inspired. And I just like to add that I do not respect everyone's religious beliefs. Like there are people out there whose religious belief might be that um, they're allowed to eat babies, and like, sorry, don't respect it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't care if they, I don't care if they don't act on it. If this is what the person actually believes, then I've lost all respect for that person. <laughs> you know, I, hear you. Like, I, hear you. I can understand hermetic cannibalism. Like I have sympathy for hermetic cannibalism where if like someone passes away, like the tribe would like eat a piece of the body so that they would always be a part of them in that way. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of cool actually. Um, I, I mean, wish we didn't. I wish we did stuff like that with humans. I think it makes sense, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, um, but yeah, I have no sympathy for someone whose religious belief it is to circumcise an infant, to, ge- mm-hmm. to mutilate the genitals of an infant. I have no respect for that whatsoever. Oh, I, I know exactly. Um, what you, I think that someone passionately talked about it. I know it's a very, it's another highly controversial topic. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. So again, I, I usually consider all these things are private matters. These are healthcare decisions, spiritual decisions. I'm not a part of the Judeo-Christian group, so I need not to get involved and I just need to respect, you know, what our people do with the, their body, whatever their their religion asks them to do, you know? Yes, so, I will but respect, I, I, I understand know, I'm what not going to Yeah, so, I think that people's religious freedom ends um, at other people's freedom, you know, um, they're free to do whatever they want to themselves. They're free to subject themselves to whatever they want for spiritual reasons, but they are not free to subject other people to, um, their spirituality. Yes. You're, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
And totally. So that's that's my area. And that's why I have a problem with the cult of Yahweh is because they overtly subject other people <clears throat> to their spirituality, which mm-hmm. uh, is, I have a big problem with. So I I'm will. glad we had this talk, man. This is so cool. Always good talking to you. It was really cool listening to you talk to Sheila, too. Oh, I appreciate it, Brady. Oh, always fun. As you know, you know, I always enjoy having conversation with you and Sheila. I mean, actually, I'm glad she mentioned that what we are talking about today is actually pretty cool. You know, we are very respectful towards each other and all that. So it's it's really good. Yeah, like I can disrespect some an idea and still be totally nice to a person. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I know you're tough guy. <laughs> you're not afraid of a censorship. I respect you. Yeah. You know. But I could also be a nice guy too. Like I'm, I'm just as capable of being nice as I am being mean. You know, and like I, no, I, I like being nice. Always respectful. No, I actually believe you know, you know, your idea may not be 100% convincing, but I, I have never, you have never come across, or when I observe you interacting with others, I have never seen you being, uh, personal. Uh, well, against you know other so that that's why you know yeah I, thanks I, coming from you that means a lot because uh, honestly a lot of that behavior I think was inspired by you so kudos to you well, Peter you're a great teacher <laughs> well please you know I, I I'm a big groupie <laughs> so hopefully we can hear more music uh, next time right <laughs> yeah let's do it uh, I'll, I'll open up a room and do some music right after this and I'm, I'm trying to no, set no, up a flat no, 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 I, I hope you can get hold of that guy, Mark. And then what's that, uh, Morgan? And I would really that would be great. Uh, that would be awesome. He was great. Yeah. All, all of them. You, he was really you, you. Great. They're all great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, let me, uh, I have to get to uh, work tomorrow morning. I actually have a, cool. an important meeting. So I would. Uh, nice. Have to Lots of good rest. Yeah. I appreciate it, Brady. And uh, have a great uh, rest of your evening. Likewise. All right. Good night.